How are you tonight? Doing all right. How are you? Oh, busy, busy. You know, we've got Mother's yeah, Day tomorrow. Which, yes, for, yes. for many of our listeners, is like whatever the opposite of Christmas is. Just like the worst day of the entire year. <laughs> uh, if any of you out there are going out to Mother's Day brunch, patience is the watchword this year. Be patient. Yes. <laughs> Use all those manners your mother taught you or <laughs> attempted to teach you. That, and I mean... I, there's a good reason why when my wife takes the kids to church on Mother's Day, I stay home and prepare a brunch for us in our home. Because not <laughs> only do I not want to go fight the ravening hordes of people who are out there terrorizing servers and, and, and other wait staff on Mother's Day, um, I don't want to add to that, right? So, like, I don't want to see the people who are out being customers on Mother's Day, and I don't want to add to the problems <laughs> of the people who are working on Mother's Day. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's good that um, none of the servers or uh, cooks or any other restaurant workers are mothers. Or have mothers. So they yeah. can, right, yeah. A million years ago, at my very first job, my boss realized that I had some sort of a natural talent and for some reason, a desire to keep working in restaurants. And he took me aside and he said, Randall, you could be really good at this and you could go far if you could just learn to keep your mouth shut. If you're listening to this, you'll know I took part of that advice. So they can they can provide a service for us on that day. I go back and forth about that in my head because it's another one of these badges of honor, like heavy, heavy air quotes badges of honor in my industry. We work all of the holidays so that you can enjoy your holidays nobody's really forcing us to you know what i'm saying like you could ask for the day off and if your boss is like no you can't have the day off you could just be like well i quit you know like that's always been an option and so it's a badge of honor it's like if you cut yourself and went see how tough i am it's like well that you didn't need to do that though <laughs> having said that that's the worst example ever because I've, I've not intentionally cut myself but i have cut myself with a chef's knife on occasion and said to people look at how tough i am so that's either the best or the worst example possible. <laughs> hey, it's it's apropos. For sure. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back or welcome to In the Weeds with Ben Randall. I am Ben Randall. And I'm Stephen Cadwell. And we're recording at like 9 o'clock at night my time. Yeah. Which is very late for me because I am old and I'm very tired. Like normally <laughs> during daylight hours. So this is wild for me. I feel like because we do this once in a rare moon um, and I feel like we need different theme music for <laughs> In the Weeds After Hours. Some like super slow jazz. I'm going to write myself a note right now and see if I can find yeah. some. <laughs> or just take what you have and slow it down. <laughs> Add a hi-hat. I don't know. <laughs> right, right. So uh, I know we have at least two really big things to talk about today, Steve. We're going to talk about people getting kicked out of the James Beard Awards, and we're going to talk about the, um, the well, the, the other one that I wanted to talk about was for sure the, uh, that McDonald's is employing 10-year-olds. Sure, but I know sure. we have a couple other things as well. Where would you like to start today? Um, I'm, I'm game for whatever. Let's just dive in. Okay, let me ask you a question to start then. Do you believe, this is a very loaded question. 
How do you feel about this? Do you think it is appropriate for a, an organization that issues a very high profile award annually to retail restaurant establishments and particularly to the chefs that run those retail kitchen restaurant establishments? Do you believe it's appropriate for them to look beyond the food and the service and judge that chef on how they treat their staff and what sort of a person they are, in addition to all of the work stuff. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it should be required. <laughs> okay, good. We're on the same page. I thought we were. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. The awards um, should you know whatever they are, they should have a uh, moral and ethical imperative attached to them. Because if you're recognizing someone beyond just people coming to the restaurant, um, you know, that's I think it, it really does behoove you to do a little research into who the people are. And it can't just be about the food, uh, especially today. Right. Right. And we've also you and I have discussed this in the past and it's tricky. We don't have the answer, but we've talked about separating the artist from the art separating the chef from the food separating the actor from the movie right like all of these things yeah yeah it is difficult um however i would say that in particular when it comes to an award like you are receiving a positive bit of feedback for a plate of food except if you're getting a james beard award for being best chef south you are getting an award that is encapsulating all of what you do. And so you're being told that every facet of what you do is positive. You're, you're nailing it, right? And if it turns out that you are a terrible manager of people and you're abusive and whatever, you are being told by that institution, that part's cool too. And that's the thing that sticks in my craw about this, about this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. If if they're not saying that it's cool, there it would at least be saying, well, that doesn't matter. Bingo. And and it really does matter, especially like I said, especially if it's an award, because you know what James, the James Beard Committee or whoever it is, doesn't need to do. They uh, don't need to list all of the chefs that have acted badly. <laughs> right. That's that's not their mission. Um, you know, their mission is to highlight the people that. Um, uh, and restaurants that we should feel good about and we can't feel good about places that are run by jerks well right and also that positive feedback is where you get the culture of the batalis the Bickelhofts, whatever that guy in texas who told all of his servers to come to his pool party in bikinis or don't show up at all right like these are people who have been told everything you do is great here's an award with your name on it and they're allowed in their own persona to say well i guess the way that i treat my staff is is under this umbrella of i am great and yeah it's different if a diner says to the server please tell the chef that this was delicious that's just about the food and so that's what we were talking about the separation of of church and state right the separation of art and artist but if the James Beard Foundation says you are best new chef, New Jersey, and one of the things that you do is you routinely cut your staff with little knives, they're also saying that part is cool as well. That part is, is award winning. Yeah. Right. So I guess I would say it that way. If you are an abusive chef, if you are yelling at your staff, if you are doing any of these things that could be considered abuse, right, and you get a James Beard Award, you could almost say 
that you are that the James Beard Foundation is saying best abusive chef. You do the best abuse at your restaurant. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And for the first time, I believe the James Beard Foundation is trying to not have that be part of their thing. Yeah. And that's that's what we're talking about now. We've been talking in huge generalities. Now, one thing that I would like to say is I've read one article about this. I do not know this chef. I do not know this restaurant. And I, I do not, like, I cannot judge. I don't know the, the circumstances here necessarily. But this comes from AL.com, Alabama Life and Culture. Yeah. Alabama chef disqualified from 2023 James Beard Awards for yelling at employee, comma, restaurant guests. The word guests bothers me. Guests don't pay. Customers pay. So if you're if you're running a like if people come to my house, they're guests. If they come to my restaurant, they're customers. So Alabama chef Timothy Hansis of Johnny's Restaurant in Homewood has been disqualified from this year's James Beard Awards. AL.com has learned. Hansis, who has been a finalist for Best Chef in the South, confirmed this afternoon that the James Beard Foundation notified him by email Wednesday that he'd been disqualified for violating the Foundation's Code of Ethics. This is me talking now. I didn't know the James Beard Foundation had a Code of Ethics, so this is new on me. Well, it might be new for them, too. It doesn't (laughs) say when, you know, they uh, began having their Code of Ethics. So this is a quote from that. Email. As you are aware, the Ethics Committee of the James Beard Foundation received an allegation that you violated the Foundation's Foundation Awards Code of Ethics. The email read, The Foundation takes these matters very seriously. Based on the review conducted, the Ethics Committee found it more than likely that you violated the Code of Ethics. Uh, so this was an independently reported uh case of abuse in the restaurant where this fella tim had yelled at a staff member and had yelled at customers uh is that very very easy for me to believe yes do i have confirmation of that myself and am i judging this fella no i i i'm not in a position to say any of those things this is just probably the most high profile of what i imagine the jbf is just going to start doing from now on which is kind of digging into yeah, this guy can cook, but does he also throw saute pans at unpaid stages' heads, right? Which I'm also not accusing this fellow of doing. <laughs> Sorry. Right, right. I, I was being hyperbolic. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting that uh, they he may be eligible for an award in the future year. They don't go as to far as far as to say that he definitely did the things. It's just that it that uh, he more than likely, yeah. Um. Uh, broke their code of ethics Um, I have to say when I started reading this I thought that I was going to be coming down on his side um, when I first started reading this and then it just it took a turn (laughs) well and here's where I'm gonna get in trouble and I'm happy to do that everybody in the industry who I know because I saw this posted several times on Facebook and on Instagram they're on his side now maybe they know this guy I, I have not asked I haven't asked anybody but it seems to be the knee-jerk reaction of everybody in my situation to be angry at the James Beard Foundation Awards about this in this guy's favor. I don't want to say it like this, but it's a little it's it's it stinks a little bit of people who also do this defending the guy who does it, right? Abusers yeah. defending an abuser. Right. Yes, and I think that's the apt analogy uh, or a corollary here is the um 
is uh, to uh, uh, an abuser in a relationship. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it it starts out and if his story, if you believe his story the way he lays it out, it does not sound that bad. And, and it may actually be not that bad. However, abusers minimize what they do. Yeah. So, you, I mean, unless you were there and uh, like what is, I'm, I, I'm not going to find be able to find it right off the top of my uh, head. But um, oh, and all the excuses he gives too. yeah, I found those. But um, um, he uh, he laughed. He I guess he said, oh, yeah, uh, we playfully talk about it. Uh, he said that he explained that his customers know the rule about sh- uh, to shut the front door and that we, quote, playfully talk about it. Um and that that is red flag language, I would think, yeah. <laughs> to uh, um, you know th- that abusers use. That oh yeah, it was just playful. It was a playful punch in the face. Um, and and uh, I mean, you can have a rapport with your uh, regulars. That's one thing. Um, but here's the other thing, dude. If you're up for a James Beard Award, fix your door. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And problem is solved, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, so I I was going to say something else, but I'm going to skip that because I I don't want to get too specific about my experience. One thing that did happen right away is people started jumping to this fellow's defense, right? So we have a a guy here named John Currents, who is a friend and mentor, another chef, apparently, immediately jumped to this fellow's defense, going as far as, because it it appears that Currents is a a, a former James Beard award winner he uh smashed his james beard award with a brick and put it on instagram and i don't know this other fella either but you have to appreciate the solidarity there you have to appreciate the the strength of that friendship however what this guy is saying and i'm not going to read you his whole screed because it's a long thing and you can feel free to, to, to look this up if you would like um it's the all too common but he's never done that to me which is almost more damning than saying nothing at all because anymore whenever someone is accused of doing something be it sexual impropriety in the film industry or being an abusive chef or any of this kind of stuff as soon as people come out and go well he's always been fine to me that person then is always guilty like every single time right and just because you have friends that are alive doesn't mean that you're not still a murderer if you killed a bunch of people right so like (laughs) it's it, it there's there's who has time in the day to yell at every single person they know because somebody has been nice to you doesn't mean that they're not being a complete dick to their staff, right? And so this fellow Currents, I don't know if he did it on purpose or not, but he said the quiet part out loud. Quote, so I ask you this, if we removed everyone from consideration for a chef's award, whoever (laughs) stood accused of being an asshole in their restaurant, would a single beard award have ever been handed out or would there have ever been a soul to bestow one in the first place? The simple answer is no. This fella said that and he's right. If there was a specific code of ethics that said, yes, if you make a great flan, but you're an absolute terror to work for, you're not going to win a James Beard Award. If that had always been the case, they would have been giving out a lot fewer of those awards. Just across, <laughs> no question. No question at all. And yeah. so for this dude to say that in the defense of his friend is worse. It's absolutely worse. He almost right there just admits like, yeah, this dude's kind of screamy. 
I, if I'm yeah, well, if I'm this fellow Tim, that in as many words. Yeah, if if I'm this fellow Tim, I'm calling him up and just being like, this, "You're not helping. You need to stop." Um, in uh, uh, okay, another one of the complaints against him stemmed from a quote from Oxford, uh, Mississippi chef John Currents, which is this guy. Yeah. Um, in which he was, he said he was joking, but he said uh, in the uh, story, I can't tell you how many times I've been in there and he's screaming at people that don't close the door, screaming at people about sit- sitting at tables before they've ordered. And uh, so I'm thinking, well, this doesn't sound playful. No, no. And that doesn't sound like kidding. And the other thing is, so he calls the James Beard folks spineless and cowards. Um, as he is posting a picture of a brick on the broken glass of the framed award of his from 2009, which to me makes them seem a lot more brave than they did before the threatening photo of the brick through the James Beard Award. Well, that, and I mean, do I want someone defending me who is going to tell people that I am a screamy chef is going to use, you know, very open language about, this is what we all do. Why are you mad at us about it? And who was also, you know, so completely unable to contain his obvious anger management issues that he's going to smash an award with a brick. That's yeah. not a great character witness, you know? I tell you what, though, uh, if this guy was hiring, I'd be first in line to apply. <laughs> right. You, you, right now. You smashed an award with a brick at In Solidarity? Oh, yeah. That sounds like a safe kitchen. Yeah, right now, do I want to work for either of these guys? No. One, because that, like, no matter what, even if this is completely fictional and this fella, uh, Tim, is innocent of everything, he's still not going to be fun to work with or for for a while, right? This is a blow. This is a blow to the ego. This is a blow to potentially business, you know. Uh, but that other guy sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like anybody who smashes anything with a brick, unless it's in self-defense, like I don't want to hang out with anybody. Unless they're a mason and it was an accident, right? Like it was part of their job. <laughs> I mean, did he walk over to the uh, pizza oven and pull a brick, like, out of the... That's an excellent question. Who just has bricks laying around, right? <laughs> hey, go go get me one of them fish bricks. <laughs> he probably screamed at a dishwasher to go buy him a brick from a Home Depot or something. Uh, well, that's... So, the the other thing this guy says uh, uh, is, you know, uh, hey, if I'm such a bad guy... A uh, little bit of a paraphrase here. If I'm right. such a bad guy, why has my sous chef been with me for over seven and a half years? Why has my dishwasher been with me over two and a half years? Which is a long time for dishwasher. I yeah. understand. Um, why have two of my food runners been with me over five years? Why have uh, two employees that used to work for me for two years uh, come back to me in the past four months and ask if they could have the job back? Uh, why Why were the Americans in the Canadian embassy in Iran in the 80s for so long if they hated <laughs> Iran? Uh, I, I mean, there's reasons people yeah. are places that don't have anything to do with you being a great guy. And again, maybe his his version of this story is accurate, but this this kind of stuff... Um, makes me question it more. It doesn't be like, oh yeah, you're totally right. You, why would your sous chef be there for seven years if you were a bad guy? I, maybe you've got him. You know, uh, uh, what is it? Um, indoctrinated. <laughs> yeah, indoctrinated. Uh, what's the uh, Stockholm syndrome? Yeah. You know, I mean, there's well, there's all kinds of reasons. And it's also, again, I I am not here to judge this fella. I'm not here to roast him because I don't know anything about him other than what's been reported in this one article. And the article itself is very calm and fair and is is even-handed what i will say too though when a chef says why if i'm such a horrible person 
do I have these people who have worked for me for so long? Well, it's because in the industry, we've normalized that kind of abuse and violence. And so that's no defense. You can be doing it and it can be normal and it can still be awful. It's normal for us in the real world where adults live. This is no other industry has this. Like you don't go into a school and you're a teacher and the principal just screams at you. And that's just part of your day. That's not how other industries and other professions work. Like, could you imagine if you're at the, at the dentist office and the head dentist, right, the DDS, is just like screaming at the other dentists and throwing, I don't know, the little uh, thing with the hook on it that they use to torture your gums, <laughs> throwing that stuff at them? Like, you would call the police. But if a chef is in the back of the kitchen and you hear the chef yelling at somebody, you're like, ha, 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 chefs are crazy. We've normalized that to the point where, yeah, this guy can, he probably honestly believes he's doing a great job and he's got longevity in his staff, but also we've made it so that we just kind of expect that we're going to get shit on all the time. If that was not the case, yeah, somebody who yells a lot would have no staff. Yeah. And maybe, I bet if they really sat down and wrote a press release about it, the James Beard Foundation would say, that's what we're trying to change. That's why we have a code of ethics now. Yeah. Even though every I, I, time they've enforced it, it's turned into a chefs versus James Beard thing like this yeah. is here. I mean, I would hope that's what they're trying to do with it. Yeah. And the, the, the other thing about all this stuff about, you know, why are these people with me, yada, yada, it's just deflection. It doesn't address the issue in the least. Right. And this is the world we live in. Um, and and uh, um, Trump would be another example of it. I don't know if he's the cause of it. I think it existed before him, but he's one that's like, if I'm a bad guy, why am I rich? Yeah. That, yeah. that kind of logic. And it's like, well, no, that doesn't, <laughs> I mean, did, did you rape her? That's, right. that's what we're getting at. It doesn't, you know, your, your wealth or lack thereof has nothing to do with it. So it's like, did you yell at, did you yell at guests or uh, do you yell at your customers? Did you berate one of your employees? Um, if the answer to those questions is yes, apologize and move on. But to to defend, you know, uh, or, or be like, look, I understand how it could have be have could have been taken that way by someone who didn't understand that I have this kind of relationship with whoever it was that you know I was jokingly yelling at or whatever. But right. uh, um, you, your your frat bro thinks it's hysterical that you're yelling at people to close your b broken door and uh, um, yelling at your. Uh, yelling at people when they sit down without uh ordering first which makes me want to come to your restaurant as well <laughs> hearing this um it's very telling so, that all of the chatter about this is from that guy himself and his chef buddies right so yeah. like let me put it to you this way i will say this right now to everybody who listens to this show if you want to know how i operate in my kitchen you can talk to any of my cooks right now this fella is not saying that to anybody he is not saying come into my kitchen and talk to my cooks i won't be in the room ask them anything he's not saying that now has he been given an opportunity to say that i don't know would it occur to him to say that i don't know but this only came up in my head because when we've done job interviews with applicants in my kitchen now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I now have my staff available so that if an applicant wants to know from my staff what it's like to work there, not from me, that's totally cool. They can do that. That's not indoctrination. That's not because I'm slipping my staff at 20 to talk nice about me. <laughs> they are going to give applicants a very honest appraisal of how we operate and how I operate in particular. This dude's not saying to the press, Come in and interview any of my cooks. I won't be in the room. They will be completely honest with you. He's not saying that. His defense comes from somebody who's three towns over who smashed 
a glass paned uh, display case with a brick. Is that is that the defense you want? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just reading this. I I skipped over the uh, Instagram posts, and this this one is just not making him sound great either. Uh, when he's um, talking about him, uh, is he a high-strung Greek tornado of passion? Is 94% of his total muscle mass in his diaphragm and jaw muscles? Can you expect to hear his booming voice wherever, uh, whenever you go into Johnny's to eat? Absolutely fucking yes to all these things, and anyone who's ever eaten there with him knows knows it. It's exactly these things that led him to be nominated for an award in hospitality last year by the same group who now chooses to cancel him. <laughs> They're not Nobody's canceling him. Canceled. They re- yeah. They removed him. You know, they just said you're you're not in the running for this award anymore. They're not going on air telling him people not to eat there. Uh, he has sacrificed everything he has in the world to create the, uh, this space and his uh, in his community and nurture the souls of the folks who help bring it to life every day. He is beloved by team members and guests to no end. And yes, he is demanding of both as well. I don't want to go to a restaurant where anything is demanded of me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the end result is a walk-up meet and three run by a man who visualizes perfection every day, both worthy of the highest recognition in our industry. So I ask you this. If we remove every Oh, that's yeah. what we yeah. read that already. But uh, I'm sorry. That's not making him sound great. It sounds like he needs to get into some uh, therapy. Um, and, uh, yeah, why would anyone put themselves through this just for a meet and three? One thing I've learned over the last four or five years is that it is absolutely possible to work at the top of your game and put out tons and tons of really good food, be doing all your own prep, not be getting inconvenience items, be doing everything from scratch, and be consistently understaffed and have to be doing extra stuff like catering and this sort of thing. It's absolutely possible to do that without raising your voice a single time. It is possible. Yeah. What it takes is it takes the right attitude, it takes the right planning, and it takes a certain amount of personal responsibility where, where when the yelling happens, the yelling happens because something has gone wrong. Things are going to go wrong. That's just going to happen. The planning allows you to minimize as many of those as you can. And then the yelling happens. All yelling is in any kitchen in the world is somebody who should be taking responsibility for something yelling that responsibility at someone else so if one of my cooks screws something up at the bare minimum at its base at its heart that cook has screwed something up unless they just dropped something because i haven't given them what they need i haven't trained them right i haven't given them the right tools the right equipment the right product whatever it is i know it's my fault especially if it's got my grandfather's name on the door right I know it's my fault. I don't want to accept that responsibility, so I'm yelling at the cook. All yelling is pushing responsibility off. And nobody in my industry wants to take responsibility. We all want to take credit. We don't want to take responsibility. And so that's where you also get somebody else leaping in from a different room to defend a guy like this. Because, yeah, this other guy probably knows the James Beard Foundation wouldn't have considered him either. Birds of a feather and all that, you know? Well, I think the thing, um, the this thing here um, that was also in the article, because I remember reading it, but it's also part of this um, Instagram post, is really where I was like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely, I can't be on his side and all this. Because I think this mindset is something that we've sort of railed against a little bit. 
um, in, in this show, but it's he says, uh, kitchens are military order where battle is waged on daily meal periods. Chefs are exacting. Uh, conditions are usually uncomfortable and tensions high. Battle implies momentary chaos and... The, in the heat of battle, sometimes leaders have to make themselves heard to maintain that order. It doesn't mean that the leader is an asshole. Sometimes it just means he slash she is a leader. And in this instance, I think it means maybe you're an asshole because <laughs> yelling at your customers in no way helps the kitchen. And I think yeah. thinking, you know, um, yes, the French uh, word and a lot of the french words come from military yeah, yeah. that that are used but that but that doesn't mean that we need to take it this far um and you need to be the drill sergeant in your kitchen um that that because this isn't um battle i mean uh ba- the battle is waged on daily meal, meal periods i presume what he's saying is that's the time when the battle is waged yeah. and not that it's waged on the meal periods <laughs> But I think the problem is that the battle is then waged on your employees and on your customers. And that, you know, and it's not necessarily completely unhealthy for workers in whatever profession to see the customers kind of as enemies (laughs) because sometimes they are, Um, especially like tomorrow on Mother's Day. (laughs) Right. So there's two things about that. The first one is that comparing restaurant work, especially comparing cooking. To military service is v- super disrespectful to actual members of the military. And I would like everyone <laughs> to understand if I've ever made that comparison before, I was wrong and I'm sorry, but I do not make that comparison anymore because it's wrong. Like it's another one of these stories we've told ourselves that makes us as cooks better than other people. We're better than other people anyway. We don't need to make up stories about that, right? But we are not, unless we have served in the military, we're not waging war on anybody that's the difference between cooking and war is vast (laughs) the second (laughs) thing is yes uh people will use that as another excuse oh tensions are high oh we're in the heat of battle oh and it's just like no 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 no. when things have gone wrong unless it's something wildly outside of your control like the power goes out or a delivery doesn't show up when something goes wrong, it is bad planning. That's all it is. I've come to the realization in the last couple of years, you can plan your way out of tomorrow's emergencies. You can do it. It's possible. So to say that we are we are in but also you're absolutely right. We're not in conflict with the customers. The customers could just not be there and then we'd be in conflict with everybody we owe money to. The <laughs> the relationship between the customers and the restaurant is symbiotic. That's it's it's the exact opposite of being in conflict. I so it's it's an old school approach. It's an old school look and there is definitely a difference between raising your voice above the volume of chatter and kitchen noise, hood vents, all of that in the kitchen to be heard and screaming at people. There is a huge yes. difference between those two things. So yes. if you want to say, yeah, dude's got to get loud in the kitchen so everybody can hear him, that's fine. That you are you are talking about a different thing. You are not giving that fella carte blanche to scream at people. That's a that's a different thing. Completely. It's like saying, yes, I'm going 70 on the freeway. Sometimes I go 70 on surface streets. No, those are different roads. <laughs> that is not, you are not saying the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and can you imagine, um, 
if because what what it seems that this guy is saying is that all of this makes this guy a really good leader. Yeah. And all of this because of what one word, right? Brigade. Yeah. Um. So th- so he's a really good leader because he's you know he's tough and exacting and he yells at people. And um, I'm just as we're sitting here thinking of all the war movies that I've seen. Um, I've never actually been in war. Um, um, I'm, I've not been in the military. My grandfather fought in World War II. Um, uncles on both sides were in the um, service. But um, I, uh, you know, and I'm very thankful for what they've done. I've never been there. So if anyone's been in the military and has been in battle and has experienced this differently than what I'm about to lay out, please let me know and correct me. But what it seems this guy's saying is the guy that jumps out of the foxhole screaming at his companions and then turning to the Nazis and starts screaming at them for being too close. Um, he's the good leader. Yeah. He's not he's not going to get himself and his troops shot for being an uh, just an ass and and not knowing how to lead. Um, it's not, you know, he's he's the great leader, not the calm Eisenhower off yeah. uh, in his Jeep or, uh, you know, uh, a Napoleon or whomever, you know, um, they're they're not good leaders. You need the, the guy that is causing tension to be really high, because if you have a tense kitchen and you're the leader of the kitchen, it's probably your fault. <laughs> that was the very next thing I was going to say, Steve. That's excellent. The real elephant in the room for me on this is that behavior perpetuates, right? Being a chef is very similar to being a parent in as much as the people that work for you are learning from you whether you like it or not, right? So if you're training someone how to brunoise things, they're learning that. And if you're screaming at customers, they're learning that too. If you're screaming at the other cooks, they're learning that one. If you are drunk on the job, they're learning that. If you are abusing drugs, they're learning that. They're learning everything, right? And so if you award someone this huge James Beard Foundation award, and that's the way they behave in front of their cooks, now their cooks not only learn that from them, as, well, this is the authority in my kitchen because this is the chef. I better act like that guy when I get my own kitchen. Now those cooks are going, all of these behaviors are nationally recognized as being appropriate. And then it perpetuates forever. And we're never going to have an industry that's actually staffed by adults, you know? Yeah. And and uh, the idea that the solution here is to bully the James Beard Awards into uh, I'm sure that this guy wouldn't be happy if they just put him back on the nomination list. But, you know, he would have to win because if you look at these hashtags um, free, then uh, Tim um, uh, and then hashtag hashtag boycott the beards. So cancel culture's awful let's boycott the beers yeah i've always liked that approach which is how dare you cancel me i'm gonna boycott you you're like are you aren't you right. aware that's canceling yeah uh oh geez um yeah and and you know what i i don't know i mean is it what what does it matter to him whether he's on this list or not at the end of the day, because uh, I mean, it, it'd be great to win, right? Because of the publicity, and then uh, you you get a plaque that you can someday throw a brick at. Right. You, um, I mean, a uh, uh, you know, uh, framed uh, piece <laughs> of paper or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you, your goal is to be run a profitable restaurant, 
And the J decision by the James Beard Foundation doesn't change that if that's what you're already doing. I mean, if you're if you start a restaurant and you're like, you know what, once I get the James Beard Award, then my restaurant will be profitable. Guess what? Your <laughs> odds have really diminished yeah. because they don't give a lot of those out, right? Right. So, um, so it could have been – these guys are making it much more of a dust-up than it needed to be, I feel, which I also think doesn't bode well then for um, – the story the narrative the way that they're telling it being the the real one because it just sounds like um they just sound like bullies like frat frat boys yeah and uh, you know this this comes from the reporting it comes from this fellow's instagram and he was clearly angry he clearly has anger issues because he smashed a thing with a brick which it sounds like a punchline but that's literally what that guy did we're not here to judge we just read the article we read the instagram posts um, ladies and gentlemen, if any of you have any inside information on this, we would love to know it. But again, it is so easy to believe what the James Beard Foundation found because that has been consistently my experience in the industry that yeah. you will have the chef who is out front doing table touches. Everybody loves him. He's great. And he has just been he spent the last four hours before that screaming at and belittling and in some cases physically assaulting all of his cooks right and we're the ones looking at him like god i can't wait to be that guy so that i can stop accepting the abuse and i can start laying it out one of these days because that behavior perpetuates so if anybody out there knows anything more in depth about this we would love to hear it best way to get a hold of us is in the weeds wbr at gmail.com my instagram is chef ben randall uh, we have a facebook page and a facebook group and steve runs a website for us in the weeds wbr.com where i'm sure he's going to post this article as well so you can take a look at the because it's a, a decent sized article we did a lot of skimming in our uh, discussion of it right now but it's if the obviously you know cowardly lily livered james beard foundation really sticks to their guns and continues enforcing this ethics code of theirs i think we're going to see more and more of this sort of thing happening where people are going to get nominated for having rad food and then the jbf is going to go yeah but didn't you punch somebody in the dick right in front of all of your customers one day or don't you have 15 <laughs> allegations of rape didn't you uh you know and it's just going to be all these things and then people are going to get pulled off of that list and it's just going to be more and more of this pushback because there is a group of people my age and older for whom this is a standard operating procedure. This is how you manage a kitchen. You manage a kitchen at volume, with abuse, with anger. Luckily, it is going away. It's concerted effort on people's parts. Uh, yeah. But the ones who have been successful with that model are going to find it really difficult to get that behavior rewarded going forward. Yeah, and they're going to be and angry about it. They're gonna they're gonna blame wokeness. They're gonna blame uh, yes, yes, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right? They're gonna blame CRT probably. Yeah, they're gonna blame Disney. Yeah, they're um, gonna blame Disney. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and I, you know, I feel like this day and age uh, has led to some behavior that uh, wouldn't necessarily exist without it. So, like this guy that smashed his award with the brick, this wouldn't have happened twenty years ago. No. They they would have gotten together, they would have had drinks, and they would have bitched about it, and and you know gotten angry. Maybe they would have gone and um you know shot up somebody's Volkswagen. I don't know, <laughs> but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been this performative. Yeah, uh, where where you do something and then you post it online to show how how great you are and and how right you are in in uh, you know in all of this. Um, 
And again, maybe maybe they are right, but this none of this paints a picture to me that that screams that their narrative is the correct one. Um, it it's uh, distasteful, but that some of that uh, a lot of that rather is is um, because of just the technology in the world we live in. So if you're tempted to do do weird things with a brick, just you know. Uh, take who was it Lincoln or whoever's advice and you're like write the letter burn it yeah <laughs> whatever you know sleep sleep on it don't do anything in anger you know don't don't do anything rash um, think it through let other people read it before you go posting it <laughs> on the social media because it ends up in the paper or whatever and uh, it's out there forever well and again the best defense for your case where what you are trying to say is no I am not an abuser is not to have your best friend yell he's not an abuser and then break a window like that's not the best defense for you that's a bad look but the abuse is what makes him such a great leader yeah Yeah, and then you don't want to have him follow it up with claiming you absolutely do that thing but it's okay because it's not okay and it's never been okay but we've spent the last 300 years lying to each other and to ourselves in the restaurant industry that yeah it's totally okay and it is not yeah yeah but you're you're right it's gonna take uh um, it's going to take a little bit to um, slow the momentum on the train and <laughs> turn it around or whatever, um, whatever the right an- analogy is uh, for uh, th- that sort of thing. And and maybe, um, and, and I think it's great that the James Beard Awards has a code of ethics and that they're actually applying it and it's not just lip service. Um, and, and I'm sure it could be said that it needed to be uh, applied more evenly um, but it's got to be hard too. I mean, when do do they broadcast when they're showing up at a place? I don't. Do know. they are they recognized when they walk in? Do they all like wear the mask of James Beard um, when they come in uh, to try to remain anonymous? But it's still obvious that that's who they are. Because if I would imagine a place like this, the research or the investigation would just be like, let's just go and sit down and see if he yells at anybody <laughs> while we're while we're eating there, right? Right. right. Uh, because it doesn't seem like it's something that was a one-off. It seems like it's something that happens all the time, yeah. if if the allegation is is true. So you just have to go and eat and sit there and be inconspicuous, um, without you know wearing your "I'm a James Beard judge" pin or whatever it is. I'm sure they have a silly hat, right? They have like a top hat yeah. with James Beard's face on it or something. Yeah. Yeah, with like little little poof balls or whatever (laughs) yeah and it's like well now we're going to be on our best behavior because when you i mean when they're there of course you're going to be on your best behavior because you want to win but if you really want to get them you know really want to judge or or uh get an idea of what it's like on a daily basis then you kind of need to be a fly on the wall and i don't know how to do that i don't know how you do that well and i don't i don't know either i'm as likely to win a tony as i am a james beard award like i'm not really (laughs) shooting for either of those things right now so I, i i don't feel bad about it the James Beard Foundation would not disqualify me for abusing my staff. That's I can say that right now with 100% <laughs> certitude. And any of you are welcome to talk to any of my staff about that. They will have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> then they will tell you that I'm speaking truth. I'm, I'm correct about that. <laughs> maybe maybe they need a separate award for um, uh, good leadership in the kitchen. Um so that we start to get an idea of what that is instead of just assuming that good food equals good leadership. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. And the problem is, is that nobody's ever taught us how to do that. 
And so everybody has their own idea, but everybody doesn't have their own idea because, again, that behavior perpetuates. So we were all trained how to manage and how to lead by people who did it at volume with abuse. And so there is no there's no model for that. Really, there's no generally accepted model for like, here's how you run a kitchen with compassion, with care, with good planning. Uh, and with historical numbers so that you can project, you know, your purchases and here's how you do your financials and all this stuff. There is no blueprint for that. I get the frustrations. I totally understand all of that. I understand that it's high pressure and there's like, and the, that pressure is coming at you from a bunch of different angles. It's people, it's the food perishables, it's the uh, financial stuff and it's like certifications and there's legal things and all. I get all of that. I deal with all of that, but you can do it without screaming at people. You can do it without getting disqualified for a James Beard award. Yeah. It's possible <laughs> to do that. Yes. The easy way is to yell at people. Yeah. And then when they quit, you go, well, they weren't good enough and you get to still be right, but you're not. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, and, and it is uh, being the executive chef or owning your own restaurant or whatever, um, when you're in that position where you're juggling both, you're responsible for what's going on in the kitchen, even if you're not on a line. Yeah. But you're also responsible for the books uh -huh. and making sure that everybody gets paid and all. I mean, they're so they're two very disparate things, um, and there aren't many occupations where you have to kind of blend those aspects. And so I, that's yeah, there's there's going to be some tension, but you've got to. Um, I mean, there's got to be a better way than, yeah. than yelling, right? Yeah. The other thing that I think is worth talking about before we wrap this up is that it's something I've been just sort of rolling around in my head for a while now, which is when we in this country talk about a chef being great, more often than not, what people are saying is that that person can cook real good food, right? Yeah. That's not what being a chef is about. And so when you use food as the defense, right, if it turns out that, like, your boy from 42 Grams tried to kill his wife in an alley with a bottle of wine, all of the defense that comes up is, but look at the food. And that's not the thing, right? So when you are a great chef... You are all that stuff that you just said, Steve, and it's not for everybody. Not everybody has that skill set. You are a great cook. Mm -hmm. You are a great manager of people. You do care about your customers. You are able to manage your books. You do get the best produce in. It's all tied together. And if you're not doing all of them or you're doing some of them really, really badly, like you are abusive, like you are engaging in wage theft, like you are... Well, employing 10-year-olds, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> then you are not a great chef anymore. You could be a great cook, but you'll yeah. never be a great chef. That's okay, right? Like, there's no reason. In, in this country, being a chef is aspirational for cooks. But there's no shame. There's no dishonor in just being a really good cook. I know really good cooks who wouldn't want my job. Parts of my job suck, <laughs> you know? My lead cook right now... If I were able to really keep her for like the next four or five years, I could work her into a job just like mine. She's flat told me she doesn't want it because some parts <laughs> of my job just suck too bad. I'm like, that's fine. You don't have to aspire to your boss's job. Doing your job really, really well, fucking thumbs up. 
That's all I want as a as a, a chef. That's all I want out of my staff, really, is for them to just do their jobs really well and enjoy it and all of that. If they want to move up, if they want to be aspirational, fine, but they don't have to, right? And so when you look at somebody like the James Beard Awards saying, look, you're a dick to your staff, so we're not going to call you a great chef. And then people immediately go, but he made this restaurant that's the best meat in three in Alabama. Yeah, so he's a great cook. That's different. Yeah. The James Beard Foundation is not handing out cook awards. They're handing out chef awards. That's a different thing. And there yeah. is it's a it's a, a definition of the word problem. People I've got people who send resumes in to me to apply to work and their resume will say something something home chef. And I'm like that's not a real thing. That's like being home airline pilot. That's not you're not flying your house around, man. Like you are not a chef unless you are running a kitchen. And you're doing all of that other stuff. You are you're training, you're managing, you're helping advance your people, you're ordering the product, you're building the menu, you're doing the financials, all of those things together. Home chef, get fucked. But <laughs> that's because people in this country don't know how that word is defined. And that's fine, that's not their fault. But it's very easy to defend a good cook who's a bad person when the James Beard Foundation says, you're not a great chef. Because they don't know how the word is defined. Yeah. Well, it, well, and I mean, going back to the military thing, it's because it's seen as a rank, yeah. and uh, when when you move on, or uh, um, like when you're elected governor, people st always call you governor for the rest of your life, yeah. right? I mean, we still refer to President Obama, you know, President Bush, even though they're no longer president, yeah. and they won't be president again. But but so yeah, um, if you uh, you know, I, I was in charge of the fry sta uh, fry station, and there was one person under me, so therefore, <laughs> chef is my right title and from here on you have to refer to me as uh, i i feel like um this guy would benefit from and maybe anyone else too like if you're in a kitchen and you, you're feeling like you really want to yell at people because there's because of the tension and the pressure and, and not saying that stuff doesn't exist there's definitely like we said there's a lot of pressures and if you're legitimately the chef then they're coming at you from all kinds of different angles too because you're yeah. looking at so all you know you're keeping a lot of plates in the air spinning um, at the same time, maybe what you need to do is take a step back, buy yourself a food truck, get one of those universal 50 state <laughs> food truck licenses and, right. uh, just drive around and, uh, you know, have some off camera sex with Scarlett Johansson. Cause we all know how yeah. that scene ended. <laughs> and then, you know, you'll just, you'll, you'll see what, what's right in the world. Everything will just kind of laser focus again and you'll, uh, be at peace. We also... You're not you're not wrong about any of that. And I did want to dovetail into the rank part because that is also another thing. Like I had this interview with Jensen Cummings that I did about a month ago where we were talking about how you need to make sure your staff understands what the path to promotion is and what the path to advancement is. Because people also some people don't want to be stuck in a job where they feel like they're stuck in that job, right? However, I sort of pushed back against that a little bit because we will promote people out of their and, we, and people want to get promoted out of their skill set, right? Like uh, one of the greatest grill guys I ever worked with in my entire career is this fellow named Jorge. He would be a terrible front of the house manager. He would be an awful restaurant chef. <laughs> in two and a half years working with him, I never saw any piece of meat come back because it was cooked wrong. Dude was a magician on that grill. And he loved it, and that's all he wanted to do with his whole life. And the other kitchen staff would make fun of him because whenever there was a position open above, above quote, unquote, above him, he wouldn't want it. 
And they'd be like, oh, you're stuck on the grill. I'm like, no, that's exactly what that dude wanted to do, right? And that is fine. And so there's, while chefs will defend their bad behavior by telling you how good of a cook they are, at the same time, they'll tell their cooks that they're not good because they don't want to get it promoted. And it's just like, how schizophrenic is this industry? (laughs) (laughs) We need to get our head together on like, is it okay to be a prep cook at a hotel, like my guy Javi Pancakes, for like 25 years, do the same thing every day, but spend most of his energy at home with his family? Is that okay? Yeah, because I think it is okay. I think it's awesome. But if you are super aggressive and you want to own your own place and you're working your way up a bunch of restaurant jobs and then you move to another place and you work your way up there too, that's also okay. It's just different, right? Neither one of those should be the model. But yeah, yeah there need to be adults in my industry somewhere and I can't be the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wild so again i just want to i just want to wrap this up by saying i don't know any more about this particular case than anybody else does i know that the jbf wouldn't make a rash decision on it something must have smelled real nasty and they said we're pulling the plug on this guy try again in a couple of years because they you're right they did definitely did not say try again next year they said in in a couple of years how about you get Um, some therapy or whatever and and come back to us it was it was a roller coaster of a, of a read because yeah. initially I like I said initially I thought I was going to be coming down on uh, his side and at the end I was like I don't I can't I just can't come down on his side, um, so yeah give it a read anyone that wants to um, or look up see if there's anything else on it I'm I'm I hope it's not getting national news or anything like that but uh, um, it was a definitely a fascinating read, and and I also want to agree with you again, he's not being canceled. The restaurant, I hope, is going to be fine because I want restaurants to be fine. Not winning an award that you're up for isn't the end of the world. And being disqualified for an uh, an award that you're up for because you're a dick or it has been reported to the awards council that you're a dick uh, might give you an opportunity to not be so much of a dick. So that's all positive as well. Yeah, this can be a learning experience for everybody. <laughs> but again, uh, I say that and I've got individual people in my head that I'm talking to right now. And it's not this guy because I don't know yeah. this guy. <laughs> but I do. Like I've worked for so many people. There's, It's just gross when you have to yell at when, – when, when you're a cook and the chef yells at you, either you're afraid and so you do a better job temporarily or you're, you get angry and you quit. Like that's no, that's no way to run a railroad, man. Yeah, and it doesn't make you a good leader if you're making people afraid or you're making them quit. Yeah, I guarantee you, chefs out there. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil a little bit of line cook lore for you. If you walk into the kitchen and yell at everybody and walk back out, everybody in that kitchen, as soon as you walk out, is like, "Man, that guy's a dick. Why do we work here?" Guaranteed, that's exactly <laughs> what happens. You know, uh, um, I, I know restaurants can't can't do this as easily or maybe it's maybe it's not even that i don't know okay so here's the story (laughs) one of one of the theaters i used to work at one of the issues um that some of us had with leadership was that uh a lot of there was just so much no it's like no you can't do that no no let's not do that no no and it was always because they were looking at what it cost instead of what it could bring in um and, and initial cost knowing that well yeah we'll have to build an audience for this but uh, you know, so it might cost a little initially, but if, if we do it well and if we're supported, you know, and 
and uh, you, it's mentioned in other performances or whatever, we can get an audience going and maybe, you know, it'll be able to sustain, sustain itself or whatever. And someone described me once, uh, described me, described it to me once as the, the, the problem being that there was no separate artistic and managing director, but the one person was playing both of those roles. Yep. And so um, couldn't have the arguments between those two roles that were needed because it was just the one person. Um and I don't know what that split would be uh, in in a restaurant, like uh, uh, artistic and managing directors, office manager and kitchen manager, uh, or, or what that would look like. And I know restaurant margins are so tight, you can't really just be like, you know what, as the chef, I'm going to hire someone to do the books and uh, look after that. Just do that, and I'll pay you a living wage to be able to do that. I mean, unless right. you're really raking it in, you can't do that. So, um, But I feel like that those things all being in that same role really is the pressure cooker. Well, yes. And so as chefs, we are absolute champions at prioritizing, right? So like I will write a prep list for myself for the next day, especially now that I'm consistently understaffed. And then so that I just I have some sort of like a broad sense of what I'm walking into the next day when <laughs> I come in and I write those things down as they occur to me. When I come in, I number them based on what I need to do in what order, right? And so we're really good at that. However, a lot of things in restaurants are short-term, long-term. And so what'll happen is if you do have a chef owner who's also running the books or whatever, chopping onions needs to happen right now. Settling out credit cards from yesterday, that can happen later. And then all of a sudden it's seven o'clock at night and you're not accepting credit cards anymore because you never did your Z report, right? Like things that get deprioritized can get forgotten very easily. And so you're not wrong. Yeah. There's a good reason why. Th no, there's, there's a very bad reason. But there's a consistent reason why chefs will have their spouse be the front of the house manager and do the books. Because that way... This is someone you can pay less because then they're profit sharing from the restaurant if slash when there's any sort of profit. I'm thinking about a very particular restaurant where I worked where there were three owners. There was the chef. There was the essentially FOH bar manager. Uh, and then, well, there was the there was the chef owner. There was the bar manager owner. And then there was like the front of house general manager owner who did all the books. And the general manager owner who did all the books and the chef were a couple. And the bar manager was not. And the bar manager fellow was kind of like the... Th he was the third voice. He was the voice of reason. He was the dissenting opinion kind of thing. The two of them had a falling out with that guy. And they bought him out of that restaurant. And shit went sideways in a hurry. Because there was nobody, like you were just saying, there was nobody there giving them yeah. the... Yeah, to you two that sounds like a good idea. But what about the real world, right? And so things yeah. got wonky in a hurry. And didn't bounce back. Because there was not that third voice there. So, yeah. Uh, given margins, given the the really narrow line that restaurants have to, have to walk on, you do need that other voice. You need that person who is just responsible for the computer, book, schedule, finances, all that kind of crap. Because there's also just only so much one human being can do. Yeah. I think at the very least, um, what I'm getting out of this is that it, if you're um, being a chef is by nature um, complicated and potentially very high stress. Yeah. To mitigate the, the stress and the pressure, you need a sounding board, but not an echo chamber. Yeah. 
Um, so wherever you find that, whether you find that in someone who's not an employee, whether you find that, you know, in your, because <laughs> uh, cause you're going to have all kinds of spare t- time for like a bowling league. Um, <laughs> so maybe it's your bowling partners or, your, or you know, whatever. Uh, maybe it is, uh, I mean, I, I would... I would hate to recommend it just being one of your staff because uh, that could lead to dangerous places. Yeah, but uh, yeah, um, yeah so find a sounding board, even if uh, even if it's just uh, uh, I don't know anonymous. You know, uh, anonymously uh, um, on the train, you're going to be the person <laughs> talking to yourself, <laughs> wandering down up and down the red line. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, we're not going to fix it here. Yeah, but yeah. No, I'm, the, the, I, I'm, I'm, I'm unqualified to fix it. <laughs> the the group of chefs, and again, we're still not really roasting this fella because we don't know. I Again, I have very particular people in my head that I'm talking to and about right now. But the old school screamy chefs who will just berate everybody on the line for stuff that was probably not their fault anyway and goes back to like how their marriage is falling apart and whatever, and they're just using the – restaurant as a way to get all of their demons exercised for the day that approach is dying it's very slow but it's been accelerated by what you said earlier which is like social media didn't exist when i was a kid like in the era where i had literal saute pants thrown at me there was no like i'm gonna post about this shit on instagram like that didn't exist (laughs) right and now i feel like that's probably an added stressor for the folks who would use that as a way to relieve their tension. So just throw a sheet tray at somebody or whatever. Now they can't even do that, and that's getting even more bottled up, right? Yeah. Uh, but that's still not a defense, right? Like, you still shouldn't smash windows with bricks, you know? Like, come right. on. Yeah. You still shouldn't hire 10-year-olds. Yeah, the defense of abuse shouldn't be breaking a window, because that's just like inanimate object abuse and yeah you're that's man tim the buddy of yours is not helping you out at all <laughs> yeah yeah no like <laughs> so cut I, that cord yeah i'm gonna leave that there ladies and gentlemen the last thing i want to say about this is look we're there the dinosaurs are on their way out right so if you are in a position where you are being abused at your job be it you're getting yelled at or you're time sheet is getting shaved in some fashion or just like any of these things that have been classic restaurant stuff don't take it just don't take it everybody is hiring right now i'm hiring right now everybody is hiring just peace out and call them out feel comfortable doing that it has become more and more acceptable to just post on instagram hey guess what i used to work at this restaurant and they did all of these horrible things call the labor board call the attorney general of your state do all that crap because uh, it'll only help the next generation of cooks and waitstaff and bartenders and everybody. Fucking bartenders, they don't need our help. They make bajillions of dollars, so whatever. We can still yell at them. <laughs> Unless they're 10. Yeah. All right. Well, So at the end of the day, I think it's great <laughs> that um, the James Beard Foundation has a code of ethics. I think it's great that they're applying the code of ethics. I think I think McDonald's needs a code of the, code of ethics for their franchisees, um, and some written language in terms of uh, being able to yank a franchise away, um, judging by uh, some other information that we've recently come into, right? Via food safety news, uh, which is still either terrifying or hilarious news being reported by these folks. McDonald's pays 
$212,500 in fines for three franchises with child labor violations. Steve, what do you think about that number? Just out of curiosity. Low. (laughs) I'm not even going to do the math on it. I don't want to know what the 0.000001% of McDonald's's annual profits, $212,000 is. Um, yeah. Well, this might just be the franchisee, though, and not not corporate McDonald's. Yeah. So, um, so this this yeah. is a quote from this article: Finding ten year old kids working in a kitchen late at night near dangerous cooking equipment is a cause for child labor concern and action by the U.S. Department of Labor. It is also a food safety concern. Investigators from the department's wage and hour division found two 10-year-old workers at a Louisville, Kentucky McDonald's restaurant among many violations of federal labor laws committed by three Kentucky McDonald's franchise operators. The division investigated Bauer Foods LLC, Archways Richwood LLC, and Bell Restaurant Group, three separate franchisees that operate a total of 62 McDonald's locations across Kentucky, Indiana, Maryland, and Ohio, and found that they employed 305 children to work more than the legally permitted hours and to perform tasks prohibited by law for young workers. In all, the investigations led to assessments of $212,544 in civil penalties against the employers. That still feels very low for that particular infraction. Yeah. 300 kids. That's $708 per child that they were fined. (laughs) And uh, that money's not going to those kids. Yeah. So Bauer Foods was found to have 24 minors under the age of 16 working more than the legally permitted hours. They also determined two 10-year-old children were employed but not paid and sometimes worked as late as 2 a.m. That one in particular ended up being the the children of a manager. Still illegal. Yeah. Uh, the division also learned that one of the two children was allowed to operate the deep fryer, which is that one of the 10-year-olds. Uh, Archways Richwood allowed 242 minors between the ages of 14 and 15 to work beyond the allowable hours. Uh, most worked earlier or later in the day than the law permits and more than three hours on school days. This 100% sounds like kids getting ready to clock out after their shift and the manager goes, somebody didn't show up. Can you stay a couple more hours? And then that right, turned right. into, we're going to schedule you for all of this stuff. Um, yeah. So the one thing that I do like is that um, some of the money is going to the kids. Uh, quote, oh, is it? To address right. the le- child labor violations, the division assessed the employer $30,000 in civi- civil money penalties. Um the division recovered $14,730 in back wages and liquidated damages for 58 workers. So it wasn't for everybody, but some of them did get a little sack of cash, which is nice. Um, yeah. I don't know if we, you and I, have just started paying attention to child labor law violations in the food service industry. Or if this has ramped up a lot (laughs) in the last couple of years. I don't know which one it is. Now, having said that, in the 90s, I was 14 years old working at a restaurant till like 1 o'clock in the morning. So I think it's probably that this has been going on for a long time and it's just now coming to our attention, like you and me. But yeah, I thought we had laws in this country for a reason. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And it's... um... 
Other that you can't work anywhere at 10, can you? Unless it's your family farm. Right. You can't even work. Like if your parents own a grocery store, you still can't work in the store if you're 10. Right. So um, the only thing, the, the only thing that I can think of that would justify this in any way, and it's not going to justify putting them to work would be that if it's like a single parent, yeah, you know, and it's like, Hey, I manage the McDonald's and you know, you got to come with me. Cause I don't, you know, I can't afford daycare or, yeah. or I don't have anywhere to take you. So, um, but then it's like, yeah, well, to justify you being here, we're just going to put you in a uniform and then, uh, and then we're going to teach you how to work the fryer. Yeah. I mean that at that point, I feel like you've, you've crossed a line, but, um, I mean, having a child there, I can kind of understand if it's like a necessity, like, um, the, I, I, I get that, but, uh, then putting them to work, <laughs> I don't know. Like but. my daughter is 10. If I took her to work with me and I handed her a broom and I was like, Hey, let's get out of here. Help me sweep up. Fine. If I took her to work and I was like, you're working the fryer today. That's a totally different thing. Right. Yeah. I almost in my head, I wish the 10 year olds were running registers. That'd be amazing. Like <laughs> barely see over the counter, right. Taking people's orders and stuff. That would be hilarious. I'd, and, I'd watch that TV show, 10-Year-Old McDonald's. And it says, <laughs> well, you just wait. It's going to be on Food Network or TLC or something. Right. They're, they're going to win a James um, Beard Award. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 10 years are going to treat each other pretty well yeah. uh, for the most part. Um, it, it, the, thing, the other thing is, like, they found working at a Louisville McDonald's until 2 a.m. So, like, if you, if you are the single parent and you have your kid there, why didn't you just, like, have a blow-up mattress in, your, in the office yeah. – and they're just asleep in there until you're done. Like, you know, I mean, you're probably breaking some sort of, uh, uh, if not law, then some sort of uh, rule that McDonald's has about, you know, guests in the yeah. back of house or whatever. I don't know. But but th- then, you know, if you're like, well, I couldn't, you know, daycare was closed or whatever. Um, yeah. Yada, like, yada. like best case scenario, you're right. This is someone doing their best and they had to take their kids to work. However, boy, when you've got a kid operating a fryer at ten years old, that's you've crossed a line. You're not <laughs> best doing your slid best into worst real quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you were doing your best the first two times, and then you were like, "Wait a minute, I could put these kids not on payroll and have them do fries. Nobody's gonna see." <laughs> I know why McDonald's fries taste so different. It's the child labor. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, we had spoken off air a little bit about. What does McDonald's think about this? Because you're right. This is franchisees. These are people who have licensed out the ability to own a McDonald's and they operate it and they pay certain money back to McDonald's on an annual or a quarterly basis or whatever. Where in that agreement, because I, I know nothing about franchising at McDonald's, where in that agreement is their language, or if not, there really should be, that says like, hey, all of this is null and void if you have 10-year-olds running your fryers, right? Like, yes, it's a franchised location, but it's got the the golden arches over it. This is this sullies their brand. As much as I don't care about McDonald's, it's it harms their brand. Yeah. Unless, unless we find out that all of these years, Ronald McDonald hasn't been a mascot. He's been HR. <laughs> right. He's he's their head head of recruitment. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's not a good look, especially because they've had some other recent bad press with a former, um, CEO or, or CFO or somebody, right. That, yeah. uh, was inappropriately texting, uh, uh, 
someone else at the corporate level and and so i don't they're no longer in whatever position that is so yeah i mean this isn't uh not not a great look for mcdonald's and i don't know uh i don't know what the rules are either i did see kayla and i watched the founder oh i have uh, not seen that michael keaton movie it's really interesting because at one point in that they're they're having trouble with um some of the people that have sort of bought franchises just turning it into like the the last remaining hot now over in uh uh <laughs> yeah um which just which has shrimp on so the menu where is that, as well can in michigan or something uh, no buchanan is near me it's i wanted to say sturgis it might be sturgis okay um uh, it's it's in the middle of the state down near the border okay um starts with an s but uh but i mean it's just it's crazy town so it's a, it still looks like a hot now still says hot now <laughs> but they're the last ones left and they're just throwing everything at the wall like you can get shrimp and spaghetti on a bun i don't know it's like so they were having trouble with people doing that so someone's like you know what stop you're not a you're not a restaurant company you're a real estate company yeah and for a while and i don't know if they still do this to own a franchise your your restaurant was built on property that was owned by mcdonald's and then if if you didn't behave the way they wanted you to if they you started to you know if you put a spaghetti burger on your menu they would say well guess what you can your lease we're pulling your lease on the land your restaurant is now done because um the rest the the franchise comes with you you have to lease the land for mcdonald's so i don't know if that's still the case but you'd think there'd be something in there where they could pull some strings did you look up the hot now i did it is in sturgis michigan okay Uh, it is um glorious this picture is either very old or they keep their paint job like pristine it looks (laughs) it's giving me flashbacks but it's 609 south centerville road sturgis michigan um i could be there in i could be there in two and a half hours wow they still wouldn't be open though they don't open until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning Kayla and I drove there and we uh, went through and so that we could, she could experience hot and now I don't even remember what we got, but I knew that the menu, I mean, as far as, especially a place that's just a drive through, it is the cheesecake factory of fast food. Um, I I just, so much on the menu. I just remember that like the burgers were, it was the skinniest hamburger I'd ever seen in my life, but they cost like 79 cents. And so we would go there with 20 bucks and we'd have food, enough food to get sick. Right. Not because yeah. <laughs> the food was bad, but just because there was so much of it. It was so stupid cheap. I have got to go back there at some point. I haven't had hot now since the 90s. Yeah. Well, they didn't last all that long, which is kind of crazy because they seem to always be busy. Yeah. There was, and there was in uh, Big Rapids, there were a lot of get them and goes, <laughs> which was the uh, competitor to hot now. Um, There's one near the bicycle place uh, off of 28th Street, but I'm not going to remember the cross street. But um. Yeah, we'd go there and get again. It was the same thing, cheap burgers. What was the uh, what's the conspiracy theory that Hot Now was run by Pepsi Company just to test market soda flavors? Uh, yeah, that, that's that's what I understood. I don't even know if it's a conspiracy theory. It was just a they they wanted to be able to just sort of like field test soda flavors, and so they thought we'll open up a really cheap burger place and just try things out and see what happens. But I. I I don't know if I never got it confirmed or if I learned it and I was just like, that seems like a dumb thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe that's why they're all closed. Yeah. I mean, so there's one, the one in Plainwell, I think, turned into a subway. But they're like the they're like the Hummer dealerships. You can tell when you yeah. see one or yeah. an old Pizza Hut. You're like, this wasn't always a <laughs> massage parlor. I right. recognize those windows. Yeah. Yeah. 
so yeah, I I don't I don't know anything about owning a franchise, but I would I would hope that somewhere in that contract language there's a thing that's like, yeah, if you employ 10-year-olds, we're canceling all of this and you need to take a hike because you're making us look bad. And if you make McDonald's look bad, you've gone out of your way. <laughs> like you've really done some damage. Yeah. Speaking of Steve, I've got some good news sort of. In as oh. much as I don't want people to lose their jobs, however, this comes to us again from uh, Food Safety News, back uh, May 4th, so this is last week. Uh, sanitation help will not be spelled P-S-S-I as often in the future as it was in the past. So, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, if you're longtime listeners, you've known that we've reported a number of times now on Packers Sanitation Services Incorporated, because they were discovered to be employing children. Again, there seems to be a rash of child labor violations going on in this country, and this was for a company called JBS that has meatpacking plants in the Midwest. According to this article, Cargill, Tyson Foods, and JBS have all terminated contracts with Packers Sanitation Services, or PSSI, since it paid fines of $1.5 million for child labor violations. Losing contracts to provide sanitation services to the meat industry's A-list players might be enough to break PSSI's long growth history. Then there's a space, and then there's a paragraph break, and it says, Further, PSSI President and CEO Dan Taft opted to retire this week. It feels <laughs> like they buried that one a little bit, which cracks me up. Yeah. Opted to retire. So Was left no choice but to retire. Breaking PSSI is going to hurt the Blackstone Group, which is the latest in a series of so-called private equity funds, to own the 53-year-old contractor of sanitation services. Blackstone, the world's largest private equity fund, acquired PSSI in 2018 for an undisclosed price from Leonard Green & Partners, which had paid $1 billion for it. So I guess there are uh, consequences sometimes. Can we say we're canceling Packer sanitation services? Are we, are we canceling them? <laughs> Yes. Yep, we are, because we we uh, spoke out loud what we had uh, seen written about them employing children, oh. so therefore we're canceling them. I didn't notice this on my first read-through of this article, but I have an answer to my question from earlier. Quote from this article, There has been a 70% increase since 2018 in the number of children being employed illegally nationwide, and it has more than 600 child labor uh, investigations underway according to government reports it being the so, department of labor so uh you were one of few <laughs> yeah. when you were 14 and uh today you'd be one of many wow so since 2018 more kids are working okay i, I don't i don't know why that would be but yeah, I guess we can we can put that mystery to bed, Steve, that uh, it turns out that it's not that you and I were not paying attention. More kids have been working in the last five years illegally than previously by 70%. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. It is. Well, I mean, yeah, yes, it is. It is a, a pretty decent increase. But if before it was like 10, <laughs> right. you know, then right. a 70% increase isn't that many. But I have a feeling it was more than 10. Yeah. I wonder. I, mean, I wonder what is making that happen but i bet you it's not a thing i bet you it's a lot of things yeah yeah um would you would you shed any tears if pss went under no no um yeah. i i mean it's it's not surprising to me that big meat packing companies contract out cleaning work because it's i mean it there there's a reason why 
people work in meatpacking plants, right? It must pay fairly well because it is specialized work. There's a lot of training that goes into it. There's a lot of safety. There's a lot of sanitation. There's a lot of things that come together that you have to have pretty skilled workers for that. And the last thing you want to do is then go, all right, everybody, grab a mop, right? And have them do something completely different, you know, when they've been trained so uh, specifically to do their thing. Yeah. So I can see contracting that out. But, man, there's got to be oversight somewhere. And all of these companies are just washing their hands of it. I would say all of these big meatpacking companies are just as culpable as Packers is. Because as we found out with JB, JBL, JBS, whichever one is not the company that makes stereo equipment, they <laughs> were issuing badges not that said Packers sanitation on them, but said whatever their meatpacking company was that had biometric data on it. They knew. They knew the whole yeah. time how old these kids were. Yeah. And so I feel like it's a little scapegoaty to be like, oh, no, no, they're the ones who employ the children. We just employ them, but we totally knew it was kids. That that part feels like there needs to be a deeper dive into it, and that's not going to happen. Because, yeah. yeah, maybe Packers is worth a billion, but all of these meat companies are worth far more than that. And money talks. That's still the situation that we are operating in in this country. Yeah. I will. I will. I won't give my screed, but I will also say this: that uh, private equity is the worst, <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, and might might be the reason that some of that was happening because it's all about the money that can be paid to stockholders. It's not about the company or the employees or their uh, whoever's contracted with the company. None of that matters. It's just about the bottom line, and it, it's not. It's greed. It's greed by another name. Look, if if the stockholders get another five bucks and all it takes is 10-year-olds running uh, fryers, that's the cost of doing business, man. Yeah. Look, if <laughs> if, if the stockholders get another five bucks, that's one buck for each finger from that kid. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, they lost five fingers. We get five extra bucks for our dividend. It's a fair trade. Yeah, and that that's also that like that crowbar separation, too, where if you're a stockholder in this, you get to say, well, it's the the money is the part that is that I have, you know, in this uh, interest here. I'm not the one employing kids, right? Like I'm just the money guy for this, and so everybody yeah. gets to not be responsible. And then you've got some poor dick manager who's on site who's like, "Look, there was nobody else," and that guy's the one who gets run out of town. Yeah, <laughs> he still did something wrong, but. Everybody else, the people who actually do have the power are just washing their hands. Yeah, for sure. On all sides of it. Hate it so much. They've got friends throwing bricks <sighs> through uh, <laughs> awards that they had for clean cleanliness. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Squeaky Pig Cleanliness <laughs> Award. <laughs> I love it. There needs to be one. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm going to need to wrap this up pretty soon because now I'm getting kind of silly. And that was – those were the big things that I had to talk about today. There was – oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of squeaky pigs, next week we need to talk about Proposition 12 in California. That yeah. was uh, just held up by the Supreme Court. So it's, it turns out the Supreme Court uh, isn't just intentionally fucking everything up. They can still do good things, you know. So yeah, congratulations, the Supreme Court. The mix on the like the justices that upheld that like the mix on that is just wild <laughs> yeah. to me. Um, but uh, let's speaking of wrapping things up. Um, I I never I sent this to you, but I never talked to you about it. Th did you click on and look at the cheese wraps? 
I did not. I've seen that product before. It's it's designed to be completely starch-free, right? Like it's a tortilla, but it's made out of a pressed cheese. Yeah, so it's um, they say that it's for like people that are on keto or yeah, whatever yeah. as well. So, um, I mean, so here's the thing. Uh, they have a few different flavors. They have cheddar. They have... I was going to say, they better um, all be cheese flavored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've got blueberry. <laughs> okay. Cheddar, uh, Jarlsberg, mozzarella, and Parmesan. Okay. And yeah, basically it's a tortilla made of cheese. So I don't know what... what but uh, this is my question. Um, I don't know a lot about uh jarlsberg it's a kind of swiss um okay parmesan is a pretty hard uh uh, dry cheese but uh how hard would it be just to make these at home not sure i i'm when you sent me that link i was almost tempted to buy some and i next time i was at the grocery store i looked and the grocery store that i go to doesn't have anything like that but i want to know what else is in there because you can make like, if you ever go to a place that does, like, what would be considered fancy in the 90s and you get, like, a very small Caesar salad in a Parmesan cup, that's essentially what they've done. They've taken grated Parmesan, put it into a, a cast iron skillet or a, a nonstick pan on a, a fairly low heat and it melts and it caramelizes. And while it's still warm and malleable, you put it over, like, an upside down bowl and then it cools and hardens up. But that's not going to be, like, a foldable tortilla thing afterward after it cools so there must be something else in there that that gives it a little bit of stretch maybe i don't know keeps it pliable yeah well that's what i was wondering like uh parmesan i would think would be the most difficult so there has to be something with parmesan with cheddar i i accidentally dropped some on our uh just our little skillet thing uh and uh, and then it basically turned into a trisket Uh, not a trisket uh um, cheese it yeah yeah um and i was like wow so the cheese it's a real easy to make at home and they'd be just cheese just cheddar cheese um throw it on a thing and and let it get sizzly for my money still the best part of a quesadilla is where some of the cheese falls out the side and gets all caramely yes yeah same ditto grilled cheese and i I, so i don't know what i would use them for if i if i ever had a cheese wrap because i i enjoy the tortilla as part or the taco shell um, so having it just made of cheese, uh, seems like a Taco Bell gimmick, Yeah. but I don't know. I don't know how useful for me. I'm sure there'd be something you could do with it. Maybe, I don't know, make little apple pies in the cheddar one. <laughs> if you like cheese on your apple pie, I don't know. <laughs> Slap it down on top of a giant burger. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, maybe it is strictly just for people that are trying to be low carb and that's like, yeah, hey, I'll just make, I'll put the, put my hamburger in the cheese wrap and then eat it that way. So I don't have to do lettuce. To me, it falls into, excuse me. Oh, crap. To me, it falls into the category of like the vegan hot dog. It's like, well, if you want to be keto and you want to cut out carbs, then cut the carbs out and eat other things. Eat a celery, eat a rutabaga, whatever you're going to eat. But if you really want a tortilla, eat a tortilla and just (laughs) call it your cheat day, right? Like, you're not going to get a tortilla made out of anything that's non starchy. That's really going to be a tortilla, right? So if you're going to eat a hubcap of cheese, just admit that that's what you're going to do and just go buy a bunch of cheese. Like there's based entirely on the fact that there's got to be other stuff in there. You're probably better off just eating a big old block of cheese and pretending like you wrapped it around something. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And that's the thing. Agreed. 
people who are gluten free, and I am so sorry if you can't have gluten. If you have celiac, it sucks. And I, there, there are, there are versions of celiac where you don't even have a physical reaction. It just stops you from absorbing nutrients and that's why a lot of kids who have celiac before they find out they have it it's there's tiny tiny little kids because they're not getting the nutrients they need and then some celiac is like you throw up immediately right i feel really bad for those people but i would also always recommend if you can't have flour right if you can't have wheat just don't gluten-free <laughs> bread is terrible nobody's cracked it yet gluten-free bread is awful and everything else is gluten gluten-free cookies right gluten-free muffins they're all terrible they continue to the first person who makes one where you're like, wait a minute. I did not know this was gluten free until you told me. The first person who makes that product is gonna make a squillion dollars, right? But all <laughs> of them are terrible, and my recommendation is just stop pretending. Just eat other stuff, man. You know, this probably because we're doing in the weeds after dark right now. <laughs> but uh, I think I've come up with a solution for all these. Uh, you know, there's been the lawsuits from the dairy people about um, all the different milks. Yeah. And uh, from the chicken people, probably about calling them uh, vegan chicken wings or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Beyond meat. Um, I think, yeah, you call it whatever you want. Um, you just have to end it in a question mark. <laughs> so it'd be gluten-free bread? Yeah, question mark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pea milk? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like Beyond meat? So, yeah, exactly. Just like the... Uh register trademark the r with a little circle around it like anything yeah. that's fake has to have a question mark symbol of some sort it's got yep. an oval around yeah, it yeah yeah <laughs> problem solved <laughs> this is just to make sure consumers understand that yeah. when it says gluten-free cheese tortilla it's not really a tortilla right of a, a hubcap of cheese it's a tortilla <laughs> like if it says milk it's milk but if it says milk Right. Then it might not be milk. I'm calling this episode "It's a Tortilla." <laughs> Just wanted to write that down so I wouldn't forget. Uh. All right, Steve. I will again not be attending church tomorrow for a number of reasons, but I have a good reason this week. It's because I'm going to be making a uh, Mother's Day brunch for my wife and for my children and myself. We're going to have cranberry orange scones i'm gonna make like a cheese and uh sausages charcuterie plate kind of thing i have a bunch of berries i'm gonna make crepes and i also got nutella for that i'm going to cook bacon Ooh. uh i'm baking off sourdough tomorrow morning i we don't drink in this house obviously and so i am making sim orange simple syrup I bought freshly squeezed orange juice and San Pellegrino sparkling water. So we're going to make fake mimosas. I think that's it. Oh, no. I'm going to make an asparagus and uh, Swiss cheese quiche. So Ooh, nice. lots, lots going on tomorrow. So I'm going to have to wrap this up and get some sleep because it's now. It's later for you, but it's quarter to 11 my time. Way past yeah. my bedtime. <laughs> cool. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you have thoughts about the James Beard Federation no, it's not a federation at all. It's a foundation. Uh, <laughs> if you have if you have thoughts about the James Beard Federation of Planets Code of Ethics, please let us know. If you have any insider information on folks who have been uh, not allowed to receive these awards because they're dicks, or it has been reported to the JBF that they're dicks, we would love to know. Uh, ditto if you're a 10-year-old working at McDonald's and you're listening to this, please let us know. 
but yeah, you're hardcore if that's yeah if that's for sure you're a badass 10 year old <laughs> uh feel free to get a hold of us at in the weeds wbr at gmail.com especially if we got it wrong what if this tim guy is a sweetheart and it's just yeah. like this is a, some sort of a campaign against him i don't know and i don't want to be part of that either right um my instagram is chef ben randall which embarrassingly i'm on just like constantly oh having said that uh peter your package is in the mail should be there on tuesday and um we have a facebook group and a facebook page steve runs a website for us in the weeds wbr.com where you can find supporting documentation for all the stuff we talk about (laughs) uh if you wanted to do a deeper dive into any of that stuff yeah Steve, I've got to grab a couple hours of sleep before I... This is the difference, right? So, like, when I cook tomorrow for breakfast, for, for brunch for my family, I don't have to worry about any staffing and money stuff. I don't have to worry about allergies, yeah. all of that crap. <laughs> That's why I've always said there's two different kinds of chefs out there. There's the ones who go home and cook still because we're a little loopy. And then there's the ones who are like, I eat Burger King on my way home because all I need is gasoline for the machine that is my body. I don't cook unless I'm getting paid. I've always been very proud to be that first kind myself. But I totally get the other kind as well. Uh, Yeah. But I need to also fuel my body with a little bit of sleep tonight so that I can not cut my fingers off tomorrow morning. (laughs) Anything else, Steve, or are we good? I'm good. All right. Well, thank you for also uh, being able to record this late at night. My day today got yeah. wild. No problem. For In the Weeds with Ben Randall, I'm Ben Randall. And I'm Stephen Cadwell. And we will talk at you next week. Goodbye.